0: Hey, hey, welcome to the Healthful Woman podcast, the fastest growing podcast in women's health. Today's Monday, January 8th, 2024. Few personal words at the top. First, I want to wish a very happy birthday to the number one person in my life, my wife, Michal. Michal had a milestone birthday this past week. So if you see her around town, wish her a happy birthday. Her number one wish for her birthday was for the Toast podcast to restart daily podcasts after their winter break. And that is did happen on her birthday. What a gift. We also just celebrated our 28th wedding anniversary. So congrats to me on her tolerating me for that long. Also, on a light note, thanks to everyone who came out to the adult band concert Saturday night to hear us play and support a great cause. Since I'm recording this intro before the concert, I actually have no idea how many of you came, but I'm sure it was a great turnout. Finally, a little more serious note. I wanted to let all of you know that I was in Israel last week for a family wedding, and it was simply amazing. It's hard to put into words what it's like being there, but the simplest way I can put it is that it's basically impossible to spend any time there and not feel even more supportive of the Israeli people in this war with Hamas, and even more outraged by the protests against Israel here in the U.S. Israel is a peaceful, democratic, Diverse and liberal society. They celebrate peace and life. They are welcoming to all people from all religions and backgrounds, including Muslims and Arabs. When you walk around the country, you see people living together in peace, and all they want is for Hamas not to shoot rockets at them or kidnap their children or torture and kill them. The Israeli people do not want to be in a war with anyone, but at this moment, they simply have no choice. Hamas still has hostages. We have no idea if they're dead or alive, and they still state very openly that they're proud of October 7th and would do it again every day. They're very clear about their intention to kill all Israelis and all Jews for that matter. Just read their charter. It's not subtle. It's insane that people here would actually support them. The supporters are either profoundly uneducated or simply evil. Hopefully they're just uneducated. I really don't know. We had the privilege of visiting wounded Israelis in the hospital, and we, get to, we got to spend time with many Israelis, and they cannot understand how anyone in America could be rallying against them. Neither can I. All right. On today's podcast, I am rejoined by Dr. Stephanie Melka for an interesting topic. Melka and I are going to talk about what to expect when going to the gynecologist, specifically related to pain. Are there parts of the exam that hurt? If so, what can be done to mitigate that? We get a lot of questions about this, so hopefully this podcast will be helpful for all of you. All right, reminders. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, we would really love it if you could rate this podcast, preferably with five stars. Please leave comments, suggestions. I read all of them. Also, please do email us any questions you might have for our mailbag podcast. You can either email us directly at hw at healthfulwoman.com or you can go to our website, www.healthfulwoman.com, and click on the link that says send us your questions. Please remember, the questions you send in are for mailbag podcasts, not for personal medical advice that you need answered quickly. If you have a question about your own health for which you need an answer, ask your doctor. I get some questions that make me a little worried that people think I'm going to answer them quickly and give them advice on a problem they're having at the time. It's not really the venue for that. These are for mailbag podcasts, and if they're going to get answered, it's going to be probably a month or two later anyways. Finally, if you want to pre-order the book that Emily Oster and I wrote called The Unexpected, we have a link on our websites, please do take a look at that. The book comes out in a few months. When I have more information on book signings and events like that, I will pass them along. All right. Thanks for listening. See you all next week. Welcome to today's episode of Healthful Woman, a podcast designed to explore topics in women's health at all stages of life. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Fox, an OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist practicing in New York City. At Healthful Woman, I speak with leaders in the field to help you learn more about women's health, pregnancy, and wellness. All right, Melko, welcome back to the podcast.
1: It's been a while.
0: It's been a <laughs> while, a few minutes since our last one. So this is a, a an interesting topic, yes. which I basically titled, going to the gynecologist, will it hurt? And what can I do about it? Yes. So I've never been to the gynecologist.
1: Really? Full disclosure, <laughs> I've
0: been a gynecologist, but I've never been to one. But the point of this is not for us to discuss our own experiences or lack thereof mm-hmm. uh, of being a patient in the gynecology office, but our experience as a doctors, as providers, as they say, as the kids say, and the gynecologist's office, sort of what things might be going on. Do we expect them to hurt, right, or not? And if so, how do we sort of help people either prevent or Mm -hmm. treat that pain so it's not a painful and unpleasant or experience or more unpleasant? Mm -hmm. I don't, it's hard to say gynecology experience is pleasant, but you know, whatever. (laughs) We want it to be as least unpleasant as possible, yes. you know, obviously in all medical fields, that's mm-hmm. one of the goals. But obviously we are special in a certain sense and unique, I guess, for people because it's mm-hmm. you know it could be painful. It's obviously, you know, there's there's you know disrobing. It's like you know, it's you know, everyone listening <laughs> knows.
1: Yes. Obviously.
0: Okay. So obviously I'm bringing you and Malca because you're our uh local expert in pain and pain management. Really? I guess. I don't know. You're the person sitting across me right now who knows a lot about this. So we're going to talk. So you
1: just butter up whoever's sitting across from you. Some more than others. Some more
0: than others. I mean, again, I, this is not something that I do in my own practice routinely. Mm -hmm. I have done pretty much all of these procedures at some point in my career. again, most of them a long time yeah. ago. So I, I do have an understanding of them. I do other procedures, but this is more so for me to be the host mm-hmm. and you to be Great. the source of knowledge. <laughs> so let's start just straight up the annual exam, yes. right? And this is again, for most people, for most people listening, for most people in the world, their sort of interaction with the gynecologist is just going to be the annual exam. So there's definitely many listeners who have never been to one before and those who have, but maybe had different experiences. So what should someone expect in terms of discomfort or pain for a typical annual gynecologic exam?
1: Mild discomfort mm-hmm. more often more mental than physical. Mm-hmm. If we're talking just specific for the GYM for the pap smear and the pelvic exam. Right. It can be uncomfortable. Right. It's often not an how this hurts type pain, mm-hmm. most patients are often just like, oh, that feels a little bit uncomfortable. Right. I don't know that there's a great other way to put it.
0: Right, right. I mean, the, the classic phrase, just a little pressure.
1: <laughs> I don't believe that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think I've told this story before that... I myself had to see a, a physician, the great Dr. Norman Sohn, who is a uh, proctologist, right? So there you go. We're just, we're, we are very open on this podcast of our own medical situation. So I'm seeing Dr. Sohn because I had some issues I had to deal with. And he's, I'm um, there, you know, exposed. I feel, you know, I'm feeling with my patients. I'm exposed. Wow. I'm leaning over the table in the other direction. He says to me, he says, "Nadie, you're going to feel a little pressure. <laughs> and I turn around and I said, Dr. Sohn. I said, I say that, I say that all the time. This is going to hurt, right? He goes, oh yeah. (laughs) So yes, but I I think that if the doctor says just a little pressure, typically for gynecology exam, we actually mean that it's not (laughs) intended to be painful. Definitely sometimes it is. So in in what circumstances might it actually be painful to have your, you know, speculum exam or pelvic exam?
1: Women with current You know, if they're coming in with pain or an infection, Mm -hmm. there can be vaginal irritation. Yeah. Women with vaginismus, Mm -hmm. or they can have a spasm of the vaginal muscle. Right. Those tend to be the two biggest ones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously someone who's... Sometimes just pain
1: in general, like if they have a ruptured cyst, you know, they're going to have a lot of pelvic discomfort, sort of everything's going to be uncomfortable.
0: Right. Right. And people's, obviously, their own experience with pain Mm -hmm. is different. Some people the same. Sensations will cause some people more pain than others. People talk about, I have a high tolerance for pain, I have a low tolerance for pain. We don't really know what that means, but there's definitely people for whom, if you do the same thing, they either actually hurt more or less, or they just respond to the pain differently. Again, this is very complicated. Mm -hmm. We don't quite understand that. What are some of the things that we do or we try to do to reduce or minimize or take away entirely the pain or the discomfort that they might feel during the
1: exam? So this sounds a little bit silly, but mm-hmm. meeting and talking with our patients mm-hmm. before we do the exam. Yeah. So bring a patient into the ex- into the office, mm-hmm. sit at the desk, mm-hmm. close on, have a conversation, talk mm-hmm. about the history, yeah. go over what the exam is, what to expect. Right. And then for patients having their first GYN exam, I tell them that I'll talk them through it so right. that way they know what to expect.
0: Yeah. I agree. I think that again, obviously there's pain is complex and there's like the sharp physical pains. Uh And then there's some of the pains or discomfort that is definitely lessened by just someone feeling a sense of comfort in general with what's about to happen and what's going on. And I think that it's, you know, being very open about Mm -hmm. what's going to happen and describing, and some people don't want that and they've been through before and they're like you know i'm in a hurry just like go fine but a lot of people that's why a lot of you know you're going to feel me touching here Uh you're going to feel this you're like and just sort of what so people know what to expect and i think that that does help uh, a lot of people i think that obviously we try to use like lubricants on the speculums
1: we use yeah i i like the metal speculums just because of the way they open. They're not opening the introitus, which is the opening to the vagina. So it's a little bit more comfortable. Right. Warmed speculum, lubricant on the speculum. Right. Um, And then we have the narrow Peterson speculums, which are also more comfortable. Right.
0: I think people might find that counterintuitive. that When they see that metal speculum that looks like medieval, they're like, Mm -hmm. wait, that hurts less than the sort of like plastic see-through one that, you know, (laughs) just seems so light and gentle, but... Just the mechanics of it, like you said, is it how they open the? Yeah. To try to explain it, if you put your metal one
1: opens like a duck bill, yeah, like the far part of it to see the cervix, like hinges open, right. So the part that's at the opening to the vagina stays stays where it is, whereas the plastic one they open parallel, right. So you're opening the when you open the speculum, you're opening that introitus. Right, and that's more uncomfortable. Right,
0: so for a visual, because this yes. is what Melko was doing, you can't see in the podcast. Like, if you put your hands together, we should and should be say on video that, for this. Right, and you say that your hands together is the speculum. The plastic one opens by basically pulling your hands apart from each other, and so however yeah. far apart they go, it's gonna, that's what's going to be on the inside and the outside. Whereas the metal one, the heel of your hands, the palm of your hand stays together, and just the fingers separate yeah. into like a V. And so, yes, inside it's open, you can see, but outside not as much. Mm -hmm. Again, the reason people use plastic speculums is just they're easier because you don't have to clean them and sterilize them. You just use them and throw them out. So they're used a lot of times in places like emergency rooms or places that don't have the capacity, the capability to sort of clean. But a lot of gynecology offices do this all the time. So they have, you know, we Mm -hmm. have us, you know, sterilizing for the speculum. So we can do that on a daily basis. Okay, so that's the exam. Do people need to like, pre-medicate for their annual exam?
1: Very, very rarely. Yeah. Very rarely.
0: Yeah. I would say if someone has a significant, and they would know if you have a significant anxiety disorder and you're really just a lot of just straight up anxiety over the exam or any doctor's visits, sometimes taking something mm-hmm. for anxiety beforehand is, is very helpful. And that's not unique to a gynecology exam, but that's just in general, if going to the doctor is going to Trigger a tremendous uh-huh. amount. And it happens. A lot of people have that. They're, you know, if you're a doctor's or doctor's offices, that sometimes, like we've done that in the past, say, all right, you know, the morning of here's, you know, a yeah. quarter milligram of Xanax or whatever it might be, depending on uh-huh. the circumstance. All right. So in the annual exam, is there any additional pain that is added by doing something like a pap smear or cultures or something like that?
1: The pap smear and the culture can be. Bit of discomfort, Mm -hmm. just with the sort of scraping, touching of the cervix. Mm -hmm. Usually the specimen's collected within like five seconds, Mm -hmm. so it doesn't add that much more time. Right. Some GYN exams do include a rectal exam. So mm, some of yeah. our patients have gone through what you've gone through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's done based on age, history, a variety of different things. Right. Some women find the breast exam to be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, especially based where they are in their menstrual cycle.
0: Right. Right. Or yeah. if they're pregnant sometimes. Yeah. 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 That could definitely be more painful. Now, we've gone through the sort of general annual yeah. exam, pelvic exam, speculum exam, cultures, breast exam. Let's talk about a few procedures. So let's say someone is, and this is no particular order, let's say someone's coming to get an IUD placed. Yes. Right, so why might that hurt more and what should they expect without any sort of pain medicine? That's a tough one.
1: Okay. So again, with IUD, placing a speculum, looking at the cervix. Mm -hmm. Typically, there's a little instrument, like a clamp that we use to sort of, hold the cervix in place and Mm -hmm. kind of pull on it a little bit to help Mm -hmm. straighten out the uterus to make the placement a little easier. Mm -hmm. That, again, it's like a weird pinch pressure discomfort. Mm -hmm. And then opening the cervix to measure it is like internal cramping discomfort. Right, And then you feel that, and then the same discomfort when the IUD is placed.
0: Right, and so for most women getting an IUD placed, Do they need pre-medication?
1: Most don't need anything. Uh Some will take, we'll usually tell our patients to take ibuprofen beforehand, Mm -hmm. which is a non-steroidal, so it helps a little bit with inflammation. Right. Ibuprofen
0: is either ibuprofen generic, Motrin Motrin, or Advil. Advil. Same thing. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: I think it helps a little bit with the cramping, but I've Uh not found it to help that much.
0: Right. And are there some ways you could predict who might have more or less pain, either based on sort of the shape of the uterus Mm -hmm. or based on whether they've had kids before, like, are there some people who it's better or worse?
1: I can often have a good sense from when I've done their prior exams. Mm -hmm. So usually when I, when I'm doing a GYN exam and I'm talking a patient through it, I can tell, you know, how uncomfortable are they just with, Placing the speculum to see the cervix. Mm-hmm. History-wise, women that have delivered vaginally before it tends mm-hmm. to be a little bit easier, right. usually because the cervix is a little bit larger, softer, already mm-hmm. dilated.
0: Right, so it's yep. more forgiving, so to speak. Correct. To let things, to let things pass.
1: The way the uterus is pointed, yeah. I think, makes the placement a little bit easier or harder. I don't right. know that it really affects their discomfort.
0: Uh-huh. Now, are there people who? they just can't tolerate it. Like yeah. you try to put an idea, in like not happening, too much Correct. pain, right? Correct. And so is that, what would you say ballpark the, the percent of women who that that's their experience? Is it like 50%, 10%, 2%, like what would you guess?
1: 1%?
0: Oh, so very, the minority, extreme that's minority. That's
1: what I've found, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, mo- so the likelihood of being able to place an IUD, again, uh, there's technical reasons why you might Correct. place them, but just simply due to pain, it's a 1% chance that you're not going to do it. Do That's what
1: I found. Okay. You know, I'm sure there's more people out there. Right. But usually with, again, talking people through it. Right. One other thing we do sometimes is lidocaine injection mm-hmm. into the cervix, mm-hmm. which sort of numbs the cervix. Right. It It's an option. Right. The reason I don't love it is I find you're just, taking one pain and exchanging it for another.
0: Because it hurts to get the lidocaine. It hurts to get the lidocaine.
1: Then they don't feel the clamp being placed and maybe they don't feel the dilation of the cervix. Right. But they feel the IUD going in Mm -hmm. and like everything inside the uterus because all you're numbing is the cervix. You're not numbing the uterus. Right. So it can work if you have somebody that's never had children before where like it's hard to open the cervix mm-hmm. it can help in that case but it doesn't take away that other cramping
0: pain mm-hmm. and then what about after the iud is placed is that most of the pain gone or does it persist
1: it gets worse maybe like five ten minutes afterwards and mm-hmm. then it gets better and then it just tends to be irregular cramping for mm-hmm. days to weeks sometimes months but once you get past the first week or so, it's typically very mild.
0: Yeah. And then what do you do for the small subset of women who just you can't place it because of pain? it pains? Is they use something else for contraception or do you like bring them in an operating room and place it?
1: <laughs> so depends what the discomfort was. Mm-hmm. So if it's trouble opening the cervix. Mm-hmm. One option is giving them a medication beforehand called misoprostol, mm-hmm. which helps the cervix to soften. Mm-hmm. Another plan is doing a little bit more lidocaine, like maybe numbing more of the cervix. You might be able to dilate them a little easier,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or doing the procedure in the operating room.
0: Right, meaning That's, where they get put to sleep, yes, basically. Yeah, yeah.
1: Which there are people out there that say, like, why don't we do this for everybody? Which would be great to do procedures and never feel pain, but it's not. It's hard to get insurance to cover it. Right. It's very, very expensive out of pocket. Right. You know, if you're looking at like offices that have ambulatory rooms where you're looking at anesthesia there, you're often just paying out of pocket. Right. For an anesthesia cost, which is not nothing. Right. And logistically, it's hard to find operating rooms to do these. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: So now let's move on to colposcopy. So in our pap smear podcast, which is either going to have already dropped or will drop soon. We'll be recording them <laughs> back to back. I haven't decided who's going first. So we talked about colposcopy, which is mm-hmm. basically, we were saying at the time, procedure, speculum, you look at the cervix of the sort of like this fancy microscope and then you do biopsies, yeah. right? So what is someone's ex- expected pain with that procedure?
1: It's a weird pulling, cramping discomfort mm-hmm. that hurts for five seconds and then it gets better.
0: Mm-hmm. So less than an IUD. Different. Different. Okay. Yeah. Fair. And is it something you typically tell people to premedicate for?
1: Again, I think Motrin can help mm-hmm. a little bit. I don't know that it helps that much.
0: Okay. Is that something where you would be able to numb the cervix before or is just so many injections?
1: So I was always taught not to mm-hmm. because the injection itself, the medication can distort the cells of the cervix mm. where it can make it harder for the pathologist to interpret. Okay. Fair. I, I don't know if that's real. And I think someone is studying this or there's mm-hmm. some talk like looking into whatever data was out there on this. Mm-hmm. Again, just as sort of this move to try to make pain meds more accessible to patients having these procedures.
0: Right. Now, what about hysteroscopy where you actually go inside the uterus with a camera? Mm-hmm. There are options to do this in an office yeah, as opposed to an operating room. So what would that experience be like yeah. for someone
1: so i i don't do office hysteroscopy i just mm-hmm. never trained in it like mm-hmm. i do sonograms pre-op and then based right. on the size of what it is take them to the operating room but right. often the hysteroscopy you're limited in the office because of how much you can open the cervix right that's the painful part right so all of the office hysteroscopy it's like three four millimeter Right. It's like, you're really not like, it's like the same as an IUD Right. to put a tiny little camera in to look. Right. So feels probably similar to an IUD. Mm -hmm. I think a little bit more uncomfortable since you are like sort of distending the cervix, putting a little water in to be able to look.
0: Right. Probably more uncomfortable while it's happening, but probably
1: more comfortable
0: after after you're done because everything's out as opposed to IUD where it stays in place. Yeah. Okay. So similar recommendations. Now, what about... Some bigger procedures, like let's say a leap procedure, mm-hmm. that we also spoke about briefly in the past. podcast, where you actually have to like excise a yeah. portion of yeah. the cervix, like the size of let's say a fingertip or yeah. something like that, using so, cautery or a knife or something.
1: They, in this case, lidocaine can work well because mm-hmm. if you're doing like a full paracervical block, right? Because you're going deeper, mm-hmm. it can help, right? Where then you're able to numb the cervix. Sort of take that sample.
0: Right. And then LEAP is something that some people do in their office, yeah. some people do in operating rooms. Yeah. And is that really just because of pain?
1: I think it's more just surgeon preference. Right. Like some of us were taught to do all of these in the office, mm-hmm. some of us were taught to do them all in the hospital. Some right. of it is concern of a cervix can bleed. Mm-hmm. And if it does bleed, sometimes you're a little more limited in the office as opposed to being in a hospital in an operating room setting. Right. Sometimes it's when you do the physical exam, being able to see the entire cervix and remove it without sort of damaging the walls of the vagina next to the cervix. It can be harder to do that in the office as opposed to when you have full IV sedation where a patient's asleep.
0: Right, and some of it is a
1: patient where they're like, "What are you talking about? You're not going to take off part of my cervix while I'm awake. Like, (laughs) I'm going to the operating room for it."
0: Right, (laughs) and I've had
1: patients. I'm like, "No, like, I did your culpo. We talked through it. Like, I like you were you were you were okay with the pain? Like, it's going to feel the same when we do the lidocaine." They're just like, "Nope." Okay, yeah,
0: that's fair. Yeah. Now, what about something like an MVA? Not. Motor vehicle accident.
1: Manual vacuum yeah. aspiration. Right.
0: Which is basically like it's like a DNC, but without like the big suction machine. Yeah. It's like a handheld yeah. DNC, which is done frequently like for early miscarriages or mm-hmm. early terminations, yeah. like very early pregnancy. Yeah. So what do you do in that situation? Yeah. Pain-wise. What what should people expect?
1: So again, it's it's similar to an IUD. Where you're sort of opening the cervix and doing something inside the uterus, mm-hmm. here the cervical block works well. Mm-hmm. We also give oral pain meds here. Mm-hmm. We do Percocet and Valium. Mm-hmm. Again, not that Valium is going to take away pain, but it's just going to sort of help keep someone more relaxed. Right. And again, there you're just limited in how much you're able to dilate a cervix. Right.
0: Because the a patient that's yeah.
1: awake and feeling something. Right.
0: Because the 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 device to do the MVA the, is yeah. is wider. Yeah, than an IUD, it's yeah. it's like five millimeters or something or six or eight. I don't even. They know. can go
1: up to twelve. Yeah, it's because it you're using. Your, you yeah. Are.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's going to be typically more painful. So is that something you routinely tell people to premedicate with those, or it's an option, or how do you do it in your own practice?
1: I routinely do. Right. I'll have a handful of patients that are already cramping and spotting, and like the basically it's a miscarriage and process where their cervix is already open, mm-hmm. where it's not going to be as uncomfortable for them in terms of dilating right you know where we might not premedicate, right but I would always always offer it slash yeah. recommend it yeah but I've had I've, I had someone who's like I don't have someone to take me home I don't feel like waiting I'm gonna be fine right and she just like you know sort of dealt with the pain and then was able to leave sooner afterwards
0: right now I, a question I get a lot is why can't the doctor just give me something intravenously <laughs> like like knock me out for the procedure in the office, and it's it's because we're a, not yeah. smart
1: enough to be anesthesiologists. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's not a gynecologist. It's, it's, it's not an <laughs> unreasonable
0: question because it used it used to be done all the time. Yeah, right. People definitely, you know, your doctor, you can you mm-hmm. know, prescribe, you administer. Like it's it was all kosher. Yes, I think there's so nowadays. For better and worse, there is a ton of regulations yes. about doing this in your yeah. office. Again, for better in that, you want it to be safe. You want it to be standardized. Mm-hmm. Like, you want, like, clearly, you don't want people going rogue on this. But the downside is it's made it less accessible to people yeah. to get stronger pain mm-hmm. medicine. And really, the only way to get, like, an IV placed and something to really knock you out is to either have an anesthesiologist, which means you're in an operating room, yeah. or You have an anesthesiologist coming to the office or it's a, you know, surgery center or the office has to go through a tremendous amount of like certifications and training and, you know, crash carts and like all these things have to be there. And it's just very difficult to do in every kind of college you have. Some very big ones have that. And I would say most don't. And And so it's just not an option.
1: You can't really do both. You can't really be doing surgery and keeping a patient asleep. and monitoring their vitals and their airway. And
0: (laughs) it's it's, it's tough. So I I think that again, there are definitely some offices around the country that you can have these procedures and they're gonna offer you, hey, either we do it or we have an anesthesiologist who comes every other day or whatever it is, and Mm -hmm. you can be put to sleep for this. And it's really not much different from an operating room from your perspective, because you're being put to sleep. Obviously it's not an operating room, but that's, I would say the exception. Mm-hmm. And most offices don't have that capacity. Right. And either you do it sort of with like you were talking about oral pain meds, different mm-hmm. strategies, or you have to like do totally flip the card and go to an, a hospital and operating room, which again, it's from a pain's perspective, it's great. You'll be put to sleep. You'll get, you know, you'll get everything, but there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of scheduling issues. You have to sort of like go somewhere else. And then there may be insurance or billing issues. Again, it's very, it's very individualized for each person, for each carrier, for each procedure, for each hospital. Like there's a lot of things that go into it, but that's the reason we can't just shoot you up with something uh, before the procedure anymore, even though, you know, maybe they would have 30 years ago. I'm not quite sure. (laughs) Yeah. Do you find that when you're talking about these with patients that, like how much of this conversation is about the procedure, like sort of the recovery? What do we do? What are we going to find? How are we going to follow it up versus like the pain, like the actual experience of the procedure?
1: It's a good mix of both. Uh huh. Sometimes I don't even get to the procedure because like I'll start talking to a patient about an IUD and she'll right. be like, I don't want an IUD. They're too painful. Right. And it's, oh, I heard from my friend or I saw on TikTok like. I'm not on TikTok, but a lot goes around about, like, awful stories of, like, mm-hmm. women screaming in pain mm. while their IUD was placed. And it's, yeah. like, horrifying to hear. Right. And I'll tell patients, like, look, if you don't want an IUD, that's fine. I'm not going to talk you into it. But Yeah. Like, I don't ever want someone to be screaming in pain. Yeah. Can you imagine you're at your doctor and you hear through the wall next to you, like Mm. someone screaming in pain for 20 minutes, like for a procedure? Like it's it's awful.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, and for people that are really worried, like they don't want it, that's fine. But I'll also go over these other options with them. And sometimes people are willing to try. And I'm telling patients, like, now you have to go on TikTok and tell your, like, boring (laughs) IUD story. Like, I had an IUD and it was fine. (laughs) It's,
0: I mean, the procedures that I'm doing typically are ones related to ultrasound and pregnancy. And one of the lines I frequently have with patients is, if this is hurting you terribly, tell me. Yeah. And I'll stop. Yeah. Because this is not a life-saving procedure. Right? It's not, you know, what I mean, mm-hmm. like it's yeah. there's certain things you're you rolling to the emergency room and you know you, you, you're you're about to die and they're doing something to save your life. Like this is how it has to be, but that's not what we're talking about here. Putting an IUD yeah. is not a life saving procedure. No. Doing these things is, yeah. you know, it's really not. And so I think that one of the important sort of lessons about this is before you have a procedure or anything, obviously speak to your doctor about like, hey, is this going to hurt? What can I do to decrease the pain? And also what Can I do if during the procedure, this is very, very painful to me. And Mm -hmm. the doctor or midwife or whoever should say, tell me, right. Mm -hmm. And then I can stop or I can do something different. And if they say like, too bad, you may want another opinion, right. You You may want to find another because it's not, it's not supposed to be like that. Like none of us ever, we don't want to inflict pain on anyone. It's like the last thing we want to do. And so, you know, other hand, someone wants an ID. We want to be able to help them and provide it for them. And so it's a balance. You you sort of want to give them expectations, and it may be uncomfortable, but you don't want to do it in a way that's gonna, you know, traumatize them. Like that's all. Yeah. Oh my god, that's like the it's the last thing we want to do. I know. Yeah. And so it, it is important to have open communication about this in both directions. Mm-hmm. I Meaning, we're supposed to talk to the patients. Here's what you feel. Here's what you can expect. Here's what to do. But if you're on the patient end, like speak up, say like, "Hey, yeah. I'm I'm in a lot of pain. Is that normal? Is that not normal? Can you mm-hmm. stop? Can you, you know, like?" And yeah. it's it's the doctor should and typically yes. will be very <laughs> responsive to those types of comments or questions or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah. I mean, MVA is probably the one that's the most uncomfortable just because right. when you're doing that, like sort of the cleaning in the right. uterus, like you, you can't numb the uterus. Right. And I'll tell people, like I'll be upfront, like it's going to hurt, but right. it's going to be like one minute at the very end that it's right. going to hurt the worst and then it's going to be done. Right. You know, and it's never a procedure I talk someone into. Right. You know, I've never regretted having someone go to the hospital. Right. I have regretted doing the MVA and then being like, okay, like then they're like, that was too painful. Like, I wish I didn't do that. Right, You know, and it's not that they didn't know, but whatever it was, they didn't want to wait for the operating room. They just wanted to be done faster. They just wanted to avoid the hospital. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. Excellent. This is a. I think this is a great podcast. Cool. No, I think it's very helpful for people. Again, it's, it's we're talking yeah. about gynecology, but it's not. These same principles apply for anything when you're going to a doctor. Are mm-hmm. they going to do something that's expected to hurt or not? And if so, what should you expect? What can you do to reduce the pain? And what are your options about speaking up? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, again, the, the principles. Doctors are not here to hurt people. <laughs> like, again, that's that's not what we want to do. It doesn't make our day any better, no. right? It makes it much, <laughs> much, much worse, obviously, if that happens. And so it's really something to be to communicate about yeah. in both directions. Great. Melka, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Healthful Woman podcast. To learn more about our podcast, please visit our website at www.healthfulwoman.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-F-U-L-W-O-M-A-N.com. If you have any questions about this podcast or any other topic you would like us to address, please feel free to email us at hw at healthfulwoman.com. Have a great day. The information discussed in Healthful Woman is intended for educational uses only. It does not replace medical care from your physician. Healthful Woman is meant to expand your knowledge of women's health and does not replace ongoing care from your regular physician or gynecologist. We encourage you to speak with your doctor about specific diagnoses and treatment options for an effective treatment plan.